This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience, business lessons for physical therapists. My name is Paul Goff, former professional soccer physical therapist turned successful business owner and best-selling author from the UK. Each week, we answer your questions and bring you an inspiring story or person from the global physical therapy community. This show is dedicated to sharing with you everything you need to know to become hugely successful in private practice. Thanks for joining me today. Now let the class begin. All right, so let's do another episode of the podcast. This is Paul Goff. Great to be here with you. The Paul Goff audio experience rolls on and we are bringing you another episode with uh, another CEO, Kevin Vandy of Competitive Edge PT in San Jose, California. We're going to dig deep into uh, Kevin's story, which is uh, sensational. I keep, um, I keep using the word when we interview these people. Kevin's gone from uh, zero to uh, over a million in four years and best. He's now down to treating patients eight hours uh, a week. So we're going to share with you that story. So again, um, if you're just tuning in, you're just finding us, we are uh, sharing with you insights into what it takes to step back from the day-to-day treating of patients. It is one thing to build a business and make you a hundred grand as a as a you know as the therapist as the person involved in that business. Ultimately, what we're trying to do here is show you what it's like and what it takes to get to making that hundred hundred and fifty grand a year, if not more, without you being the chief revenue generator. How can we get you to step back to uh, not only make the same, if not more, money? but ultimately enjoy the ride. And that is uh, so much easier to build a business when you're the one who's not treating patients every single day. And all of the people that you are hearing from in the CEO series are ultimately uh, on the way to doing that, You know, down to the last couple of hours a week treating patients are ultimately out of treatment all together. So um, we are daily now on Instagram at the Paul Goff. We're all over Twitter at the Paul Goff. We are on YouTube. Uh, daily videos, um, one, two, sometimes three videos coming out. Um, three, three or four now. Can we get to Jake? Three videos a day, four, di- four, four a day. Do you think? Two to three. He he says two to three. I say three to four. And we'll agree on three. So um, we're good there. After Nashville, we're going to move. We're we're going to crank it up a notch or two. So head over to Instagram um and uh, check us out and what we're doing there got some great new footage and, and bringing out some stuff that we never ever released on um on video because simply we were uh, too busy building a business so yeah we're, we're headed towards um content coming out pretty much every day on all of those platforms so be sure to check us out and let me just say a big thank you to the sponsors of the show infusionsoft uh, love to work with those guys and excited to work with jeremiah this weekend who'll be uh, is and always has been on hand for Infusionsoft support at our Nashville um, event this weekend and, and, and just so at all of my mastermind events. So excited to to spend some time with him and everybody in Nashville um, and ultimately showing people uh, what it takes to uh, grow a business using Infusionsoft is what Jeremiah will be doing this weekend when he is there. And if you want to build your business in uh, such a way that you can systemize it and automate it and meaning you don't have to do uh, some of the trivial stuff, just the mundane work. We can stop drop-offs, we can stop cancels, we can get more leads scheduled, we can get more referrals, we can welcome more people, we can give them amazing experiences 
Uh, those are just some of the funnels that we can build for you inside of Infusionsoft. So head over to polgoff.com forward slash Infusionsoft. Uh, if you like what you see when you join the free training, uh, I show you inside all of my funnels and all of my uh, follow-up systems and so on. Uh, you can select a demo, or if you just want to get on with the demo, send an email to paul at polgoff.com. My team will take care of you. Just put Infusionsoft help uh, in the headline, and uh, we'll get you... Uh, in touch with the uh, appropriate person in my team, which is Rachel, who would love to hear from you. So, so that's where we're at. We are um, going to talk to Kevin Vandy. Started his practice four years ago, already passed a million dollars in revenue. He has a full-time practice manager and three full-time PTs, uh, and he's just in the process of hiring a marketing manager as well. He's stepped down to just eight hours per week of treating patients. I've worked with Kevin from the very early days of him starting his clinic and it's been absolutely amazing to watch him grow so fast. I struck up a great connection with Kevin early on as I felt both of us had very similar values. That we valued spending more time with our family than we did being a slave to a business. And that was one of the, you know, Kevin's got five kid now, uh, kids now. Um, we both agree that a business is there to support an amazing home life and we're prepared to take the necessary steps to achieve it in this episode we're going to talk about how he's done that ultimately talking about things like metrics hiring the right people his dedication to training as well as the time he spends away from his business that he says helps him grow his business faster we get into what it takes to truly optimize your team members and as you'll discover getting the best from your team has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with improving their clinical skills Listen in and enjoy the show and pick up some invaluable lessons on what it takes to get to the point of running a seven-figure cash pay business to step back from patient care and still be at home for dinner and present with your family by five o'clock each night. Uh, and if you're interested in following in Kevin's footsteps, his learning pathway with me, he started with the New Patient Accelerator program. He then did the PT Business Growth School program. He joined my 4% Club Mastermind program and was one of the early adopters into my CEO Mastermind uh, program. So leave me your comments, your thoughts and questions for today's podcast on Twitter at the Paul Goff. Uh, and without further ado, I'll hand you over to Kevin Vandy. Enjoy the show. All right, so let's get going with another uh, episode of the podcast. We are inside CEO uh, absolutely beyond uh, ecstatic today to bring to you one of um, one of my absolute favorite I shouldn't say this but one of my absolute <laughs> favorite uh, students of uh, somebody I've loved working with over the last few years uh, primarily because he is a doer and what I mean by that is he's somebody who just literally asks me a question gets off and does things uh, and comes back and tells me the results and even asks for, for you know kind of further insights into how to do it better so Kevin Vandy joins us uh, from Competitive Edge PT in San Jose. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. I've got to say the professionalism of, of this podcast that you are talking to me through. I, I'm watching Kevin on a screen right now, and he's got the, the headphones. He's got the, the pop mic <laughs> filter. He's got everything. And I, Kevin, I shouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> it's like yeah. the best possible rig to speak to me for this, um, for this interview. Got to get some good audio. It's got to come out you, clear. <laughs> you bet. You bet. You bet. You bet. So what's going on? Tell us about your business. 
yeah, business has gone well. So four years ago, I started uh, this incredible journey from just an idea to, um, you know, wanted to bring data and movement to the field of physical therapy in regards to sports performance and running. And, and back then it was just an inkling and, and just a, a fantasy, if you will. I saw a couple people do it and do it really well. And so I figured, why can't I do it? Yeah. And uh, hopped in and made the investment very different from most other practices, big, big investment upfront capital to get equipment, but it's really given us a distinguishing place in the market uh, in terms of running and data analysis. And since then, solo practitioner four years ago for the first year, now we have three full-time PTs, uh, front office admin, just uh, have two interviews this week for a full-time marketing position. And it's crazy to think that uh, that all happened in, a, in just under four years. So it's been a wild journey and uh, really been a ton of learning and fun and um, taught me a lot about myself and a lot about business. And I'm just happy to be continuously learning. How um how did you take that jump then? So so you were you uh, employed originally in in a like was it a hospital system or what you know where did you go from to get to where you are now? Where was the jump? Yeah, I was in a, a busy outpatient, sixteen clients a day yeah, peak practice. Um, I was the my office manager, so not only was I seeing sixteen clients a day, but I was helping with interviews and you know scheduling all the aids and doing training on the weekends. And so basically, I was sort of running a practice, but not getting paid so well to run a practice. And I figured, well, if this is part of what it takes, I should at least have some experience doing that. But more so, I just thought there was a better way to do things. It was, um, I, I just knew if I could see less patients a day, give them better quality care. And not only that, but bring, especially being in Silicon Valley, bring some data, some tech to physical yeah, therapy. I, I knew I had, I had something going on in the niche market that we have here. Um, and so honestly, it was a lot of conversations with my wife and a lot of uh, prayers and asking questions and talking to people and, you know, flying all over the places to observe different client uh, clinics and how they did things and yeah. saved up some pennies and made the move. Love it. So there's two things I'm writing down there. I'm going to, I'm going to talk around. So you, you use the words, I just knew. Okay. I just knew. And I, and I know as people listen to this podcast, so thousands of people will be listening to this podcast who are currently thinking, I just know, right. And it's such a profound difference. Okay, I'm going to say it again. So you, the voice of experience now says, I knew, and it turned out to be true. Yeah. And the people listening to this podcast are thinking, I just know there's a better way to run my business. I, I just know there's a better way that I can do it, who may not have the courage or the, you know, the conviction, if you like, to kind of take that leap. And much of what we're trying to do with these podcasts and this series now is just to help people see that there are people who went from, I just knew, I just know, to uh, now I know, now I knew, you know, I, it just, I knew that that was right. And, and it's been proved to be. And the second yeah. one is this, which is, is profound. You said uh, that you're in Silicon Valley and you wanted to bring tech and data to the area or to, to your clinic because it would resonate with the people that you're uh, going to do, you know, business with ultimately. Now, what I wrote down there is play your area for your strengths, because it would be very easy for somebody to listen to this and what you're about to, to kind of talk about, you know, the, the, where the clinic is and the revenue now, you know, seven figures moving on fast and you pushing back and so on, right? That's going to be very easy for somebody to get lost in and thinking that's what I want to do. Now, if I'm in little old Harleypool in the Northeast of England, okay, <laughs> economically challenged every year on the top 10 for, uh, you know, weight problems, for unemployment, for uh, just socioeconomical issues, right? If I try to bring 20, 30, 40, $50,000 worth of data machinery to my clinic, 
I don't give a shit how good of a marketer I am. My audience ain't buying it. Yeah. And, and I made the, a, a very similar thought process, right, to, to what you have there with my decision to move towards the 55 and 60-year-old crowd where in a town where there isn't great prosperity, I had to be very selective about who I provided a service for, hence why I went for females age 55 and above because it gave me the greatest chance. They, they wanted help. And, and then they would naturally find the money. Whereas a lot of people just think if I go for people with money, they'll spend it. And that, that actually is completely false. So for the person listening to this podcast, before we get carried away with what Kevin has done, I don't want you to, to copy what he's done. I want you to copy how he thinks. And that's such a big, big understanding of yourself and your own awareness. We can't just keep copying people because somebody's done something well. What we, what we copy is how they think and ultimately how they came to their conclusion that this is right for their area, for their place, you know, for their town. And I think Kevin here has used his area strengths very, very well to bring data and technology to an area that is known across the world for data and technology. So hats off to you for, for, um, for doing that. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, how part of the reason it came about was, you know, I just started asking clients, what, you know, what's this area missing? Clearly there's like 50 PT practices in like a 15 mile radius. They're all doing about the same thing. What, what else would you want? Yeah. And people would bring in their Garmin watches and Fitbits and they're like, well, this thing gives me more, more information than you just gave me in your eval. So can you bring more to it? And so honestly, I just started listening and and that's incredible. Yeah, and so if the uh, so if the things are changing and the and the society's changing, then in Silicon Valley we needed to change the way we did physical therapy, and since then we've uh, you know it's really taken off and done well. So we found we found the right niche, we found the right area that that spoke to the crowd where I live. So tell us about some successes that you've had recently. It could be profit, it could be hiring, it could be reduction of your hours, it could be um, you tell me tell me some successes that you've had. Yeah. So, so in, in preparing for the call, I went back and just ran some numbers. And since last year, this time, so year to date, uh, 2018 compared to 2019, our revenues up 34%. Yeah. Um, my clinic treating hours last year on average was 48 hours. And this year it's eight, uh, which has been awesome. Not only for giving me a chance to run the business and run the numbers and spend the time to just think about what needs to happen. That's been a huge part of having that extra time. But for me as you know, it's a little history. When I first talked to Paul years ago, my, my main goal was to be with my family and to be with my kids and be a present father and be able to raise them and um, having the right business systems and having the right staff in place as we do now. I've had that time to be with my family and that's been, I mean, such a massive impact on my life that I could never have done if I didn't have the right hiring, the right people, the right systems of training, the right objective metrics. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be where I am today. And, and culmination of that was end of May, early June, uh, I took a 10-day vacation away from my practice. Practice ran without me. I just had a couple calls, not, not even every day, just check-ins, make sure everything was okay. And, and, it didn't blow up. It, it still stood when I came back. So it was, uh, it was awesome to be able to do that. Longest vacation I've ever had in my life. And I, I was able to do it knowing that everything was in place to allow me to do that. Yeah, we're going to talk around that then. So I wrote down here, metrics, people, hiring and leadership, that ultimately they are the things that, that allow somebody to get out of the business. That if you've been able to leave a business for 10 days, you had to know where it was in terms of its, its 
uh, operational effectiveness, or as you know, we call them KPIs or critical drivers in the in the in the group. Um, I needed to know that where I, what it was like when I left and what it was like when I got back. That tells me the difference. And if it has dropped or if it has stayed where it is, that tells me how good the people I've hired are at being able to do that. And then that might expose one or two training issues that I have or I haven't um, trained or I've just hired the wrong people. And the final component is it exposes my leadership, my teaching, my trust in these people. And ultimately, if I've got a business that I can't leave, that, that leave to the people that I've employed, well, it usually means that I don't have any understanding of these four things or I just have a complete lack of trust in people. And I also think um, this is, again, from a perspective and, and um, uh, we'll, we'll go here and talk about it It's because I think it's relevant. I think often the US, and I, obviously I'm from the, the UK and I've traveled a lot all around Australia. My brother lived in Brisbane and, and uh, spent some time all around Europe. And you know, I've, I'm, a, I'm a traveler at heart, if you like. So I've, I've definitely got a, a well view and a, and a slightly different context than just you know, living in Britain. And one of the things I see in the US is the ego of, um, I didn't take a break. I, I, I read an email from somebody recently who's a $12 million business who makes, he's now probably, he certainly makes well over seven figures in profit. And his, in his email, he'd said he'd never took more than six days off on the trot for over three years. And I looked at that and I just thought, why? Why? It's depressing. Why? The guy's got, he's probably got as many kids as you. Right? And I'm like, I'm thinking, what, why, what, what, what is going on? Like to, to think this, right? And I do think, and I, and I hope this is a challenge, right? I'm, I'm about to challenge, particularly from the US. I'm trying to challenge your way of thinking and, and, and actually trying to help you see that most of this, I can't take a break, comes from a, a certainly a media-driven, uh, US-based kind of hustle, work hard, and you know it's a, uh, it's seen as a almost a weakness if you take time off, and you know my business is the most important thing. And you took if, if you went to live in the UK and you even dared to tell your wife that you weren't going on vacation or you weren't taking time off, <laughs> just wouldn't it just they just couldn't accept that. Like, and so all I'm trying to point out is that that sometimes these things are just, they're just ridiculous barriers that like somebody invented years ago and they've all been passed on that it's now this, well, you know, I can only take five days off every year. If I went back to Natalie and said, I was only taking five days off, she'd just look at me and go, what's going wrong? She would literally look at me and say, what's going wrong? Like something has happened because what, you know, when we met, we were traveling off for, for weeks, like at a time. And it was like, the business is, is here as a mule. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to pay this, you know, it's going to pay these vacations. It's going to pay for this lifestyle. It's not that I am going to be here all day, every day for 51 and a half weeks of the year. And if I'm lucky take Christmas day off, like that's not, that's not what this business is for. So all I'm trying to do there for the person listening is just sometimes challenge uh, your belief right now that you can't leave the business and I'm going to propose that sometimes it's the false belief that's been passed on through generations that if you lived in a different country you would be in a different conversation with different people and it would be more accepting that you took two or three weeks off at least with yeah. the kids it's like what's the, what's the point like if you if you can't and you're going to let all that go by and when you've got people who are making seven figures in revenue telling you that they can't take more than six days a year off there's something there's something seriously wrong in the wiring of what we are doing this business as far and i think that's why you and i have always connected it's we have a very similar kind of purpose if you like for business and our kids and wanting to be present and um, yeah. you know I, i've come from what time is it now as i record this with you 11 10 here in eastern in orlando i didn't walk through the door till 10 10 10 past 10 this morning because i was at tennis with harry 
and and it's like i've got back to back to back to back things to do today where literally every minute is timed and it's like 19 minutes with amy and it's like 11 minutes with cameron and two 20 minutes back in england <laughs> i've got an hour for kevin's interview then i'm doing business growth school at midday if there would have been any any reason that i could have found to get rid of, of tennis this morning i could have found it today but it's not happening because the question always is if I have to miss this tennis with him where I get one hour to him, to myself and I can watch him develop and grow and see the smiles on his faces, the achievement, the accomplishment, he watches me knowing full well I'm watching him when he hits a good serve, what is the point of me being here? That's, that's why you do all the other meetings you're having. That's right? exactly, what, exactly. What do you set as the priority? And I, and I think the ego of America is the notion of you can say, I'm super busy, like I'm really busy. Like yeah. that's for whatever reason seen as a source of pride, but I think your challenge is, is good. I think you should challenge yourself to take some time off almost as like a mini stress test for your business and say, can it, yeah. can it survive without me? I think yeah. it'd be more ego driven to say, I, I need to be here for my business because I'm, I'm running all these things. Maybe, maybe that's something to look at and, and take some time off and yep. see what happens because really, and especially take it in some extended time off because the first three days you're just unwinding and de-stressing and your, your brain's still clogged with all the day to day. And really by four or five days in, you can start to have some clarity about, okay, let's really think about how this is going. What do we need to change? What's working? What's not working? And really I came back with a, a more clear level head ideas of where things needed to go, how I needed to improve, but I never ever would have had that if I didn't schedule the time to go and have just time to think and be with my family and relax. And yeah. so I, I would challenge like you have that people should do that. Give it a shot. The more breaks you take, the more you make. Yeah, the exactly. And I was told years ago by a very, very smart business coach who is significantly wealthier in more in, in both um, the bank account and in the happiness account. Um, you know, and I only take advice from people who are healthier than me, happier than me, or richer than me. That's it. That's my that's my basic rule in life. And, I, <laughs> and, and it, I'm not for all of this listening to people who've made a lot of mistakes. And the you know the fallacy is that because they've made th their mistakes, they're able to pass those things on to you. I'm only listening to you if you've made a lot of mistakes and you've actually gone away and learned from those mistakes and improved your life. I'm, I'm listening to that person, but I'm not listening to the guy who just keeps making a lot of mistakes and says, don't do what I do. It's like, what's, what's <laughs> the point? You know, what's, where's, the, where's the advice in, um, in that? So, yeah. so we're going to say that one of, one of the, 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 the biggest successes is now being able to spend more time with kids. We can take vacations. Uh, five kids, isn't it? How five kids, yeah. Rose is six months. So. Six months. God, it's frightening. Frightening how... <laughs> quick, uh, quick how time time goes i think i'm yeah. seven and a half weeks and counting to the next one so that's super uh, exciting yeah it's it's getting real it's getting very very real <laughs> uh, right now yeah so it's all fun so um challenges that you've had um what challenges have you run into is you look to be less involved with patients you're now down to eight hours a week four years ago it was 48 hours a week yeah. um, what challenges have you run into yeah at the beginning i had my you know pet list of clients, if you will, that only had seen me for the last three years and we had developed relationships. And um, at the beginning, as my schedule decreased, they were, they were excited. They actually enjoyed the fact that, you know, one, one lady just came in, I hadn't seen her for a couple of years, came in and instead of having one treatment table and nothing on the walls and, you know, bare bones clinic, she's like, there's, there's three treatment tables and there's a buzz, there's people everywhere. Can I get on your schedule? Oh, I only work Mondays what? You only work Mondays. Then the, and her response was good for you. It wasn't, what are you doing to me? Like, how could, how could you drop me off as a client? And I think, yeah, you know, I got some good advice from you is that if you, 
if you sell your story and P and you invite people along in your story, they're actually excited for your progress. Uh, but there have been a few clients that, um, you know, that, that, that do get a little huffy when, when you're not available. And I think what's, what we had to learn was how to make that transition, how to make that pass off to another PT. And I started off just saying, well, why don't you schedule with them? But there was no formal handoff. There was no observation. There was no, um, and, th and that was met with some difficulties up front. And so we had to learn a better way to, to go through that process. Um, and then the other difficulty was just not being in the clinic as much. I think there was some initial drop in PVA. There was some initial drop in uh, patient visit average, uh, uh, some initial drop in, um, you know, client expectations and the, and the pass off from discovery to eval. Um, so we had to learn, you know, if Kevin's not here, standards still need to be met. Things need to be done, um, and those needed to be brought up in weekly staff meetings, which you've now changed from, uh, you know, one hour every two weeks to two hours every week. Um, so those those things had to change, but I needed to uh, almost almost see what took place to know what to change. Um, but the the weekly staff meetings have been massive in terms of just having a check in with staff. This thing of standards is, is huge and it's something that I'm obsessing over in, in all of my businesses and, and just generally in my life. It's, it's the more that I, um, you know, the more that I see the, the journey that I'm on, that the thing that's going to define whether or not I'll get to where I want to get to is uh, my acceptance of uh, or, or my own, A, my own standards and B, my acceptance of the standards of the people around me. And what that means is it's so easy for me to turn a blind eye to things that um, uh, can be excused and just passed off as being culturally acceptable and, you know, people timekeeping and social and all these types of things. And it's, I'm just not willing to have them in my life, like in, in under any, you know, under any, under any shape or form. And what you find is you start to leave the business and I'm experiencing this now in, uh, in, in, in this media business that it's becoming less and less about me. As you know, I've got Simon, I've got Lisa, I've got Sophie and Rachel and Amy, Cameron, like uh, people are coming in and, and a lot of the work now is being done by other members of, of staff. And that, what, what that means is that less of the concentration of Paul is in these conversations, you know, or, or my influence, if you like, and, and my uh, hovering over the top of a Rachel or an Amy or Lisa or Simon or whatever is, is not quite there anymore. It's not quite as intense as it was in the beginning because obviously more people want a piece of me. So therefore my like intensity yeah. of, of me being around is, is less. So, you know, there's less, there's less to go around and that starts to expose. And I saw it in the physio business that does start to expose you know, where, where the standards are in the business. And that's something that, again, as anybody who's listening to this podcast is looking for ways to, to kind of step back. These are the lessons that you only can pass on once you've learned them yourself. These are not in <laughs> textbooks and these are not yeah. in your, you know, it's, it's Google or remarketing or it's hustling or whatever. These are profound insights that you learn as you run a business and you step back from, from it. The, the standards are the thing that you have to account for that naturally will drop when you are not over the top, you know, figuratively of, of your, you know, your team, like you might have been at the beginning of uh, time. So I can fully, you know, I can fully endorse that, what you're, you're saying there. Tell me, you, you just before you came on, we were talking a little bit about how, you, how you've now evolved that conversation to help people see where their standards are and where they might have dropped and, you know, where they've ultimately, yeah. let's say, gone, gone off course for the standards that Kevin needs at Competitive Edge PT to be able to, to justify being in business. T tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so uh, probably a year ago when the staff was smaller, when we would run staff meetings, it was mainly me coming in with some cockpit numbers and, and telling my staff, here's where the numbers so for, are. To, to, yeah. for, for context for everybody listening, this is our language, cockpit. cockpit <laughs> it's, it's a, a dashboard, if you like, a tool that we use in the mastermind program so that we can see. So the figurative uh, explanation is that much like an airplane, you need a cockpit. So the pilot needs to know the dials. And we created a spreadsheet with all of the, the, the data that we need to know to run a business that we've termed cockpit. And it allows the business owner to know whether they're on track for the plane landing or the plane landing in the ocean. Yeah, it's, and it's been a huge tool for us. It's been provided clarity, allows us to see where the issues are. But I would come to meetings and, and my previous leadership style was I'd come to the meetings and I would tell the staff what's wrong or I would I would point out myself here's where the numbers off here's what we need to improve these are the steps we're going to take I'd have you know I'm a planner I'd have the plan all set I'd already know what we were going to do and there was it was more me driving the ship and and driving everybody to the next step and less teaching educating um, you know, being a leader and getting them to uh, take some authority and ownership over individual numbers. And I noticed over time that that wasn't resonating as well as it should. And I could have, you know, been doing a better job to get them on board and get the buy-in into the process. And so over the last few staff meetings, what I have been doing is sitting back and having each individual therapist and front desk calculate their own numbers. What's their patient visit average? What's their uh, initial free discovery to eval? How many visits did they have? Who's dropped off? And it really provided um, ownership of those, uh, of their roles, of their objectives, of their success description, if you will. Yeah. And really there's just a transformation in the meeting from you know, me being the oligarch up top, just yeah. spouting all these things to, hey, let's work as a team. And finally, once we got to, okay, now we see where the problem is, what are we going to do about it? And I learned just to shut my mouth and sit back and see what people come up with. And that really allowed me to see, okay, where, where does the training need to take place? What do I need to do? Where, where does my time need to be spent over the next two weeks to go from where we are now in the numbers to closing out June the way we need to for profit reasons and, and to set up a good July. Love it. Um, it's also how you go home less tired. And that, that again, I, I've mentioned this many times that when businesses are gone, business owners are going home so tired at night, it's, and, and when it happens to me, I, I realize when I go home very, very tired mentally, it's because I've allowed people to ask me questions and I'm giving answers all the time instead of saying yes or no to their solution and filling in the blanks that ultimately um, is, is what the job of the leader is to fill in the blanks to guide. It's not to be the person that, that runs the show all day, every day, because that's ultimately how it does in the end become reliant upon you. I did a teacher training certificate back in the UK when I was 24, 25. It was when I was working in professional soccer. And I, and I planned to leave to go start a, uh, to, to, to work with, uh, in teaching. So I was going to go work in a college and be a lecturer, sports therapy type stuff. That's why obviously mm -hmm. I worked in professional sport. It was great. It was a shoo-in for me. So when I was doing my teaching uh, certificate in my training, the teacher said, uh, she commented on my style and she said, you're a, ver you're a very, very good teacher. And I said, Why? She said, because you just fill in blanks. And I, and I said, what do, you, what do you mean? She said, well, you, you ask so many questions of the room. So when I was getting observed, I would just ask questions. And rather than kind of rattling off a 60-minute lecture about the ankle or the you know, a hamstring, it was, tell me what you know about the hamstring, and I'll fill in the blanks. Because there's no point in me going, you know, here's the insertion, and here's the origin. And if you all already know this stuff, 
Like you just tell me what you need to know from me and I'll just fill in the blanks and we're going to get there a hell of a lot faster than me creating some kind of clutter cookie PowerPoint that, that, you know, kind of treats everybody the same. And as you, as you've watched, you'll see my style when I teach, you'll know now where it comes from that I don't do PowerPoints when I come and do all of our masterminds. I'm very, all right, this is the topic. Where do you want to go for the next 90 minutes? How do you want me to, you know, how do you want this to play out? I'll start talking for half an hour and then you can tell me where you want this thing to go and I'll, you know, I'll try and fill in the blanks. And that's something that I think people need to take to their leadership style. It's got to be about what they currently, our job is to find out what they know and then we ultimately fill in the blanks for them, which makes it significantly um, easier. Yeah. And, and on that same topic, the, the concept of being tired, tired and having to, uh, almost turn too many of the knobs yourself. I, I think I, I got in the habit of being the owner of, well, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this project and I'll manage this department and I'll do that. And it, honestly, it was exhausting. Yeah. I'd come home tired, frustrated. And I'm like, why, why am, why am I having to do all these things? <laughs> and always as the business owner, I've other thing I've realized is it's always my fault. Oh. You know, it's, 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 it's always something I've done wrong, a system I haven't put in place, training I haven't done. Um, so taking more ownership of the fact that I think if something isn't working, it's because I haven't given it to system to work or haven't yeah. done the training with staff to allow them to see what I see, to have the autonomy to make those decisions, to know what the heading is, to know what the objective is without telling them how, the steps to take to get there. And these are all concepts and things I honestly would never have learned or even known to learn. Like this week talking to Jonathan Rizika, you know, he's talking about how he's changed his staff meeting another member of CEO and just bouncing ideas off of these people who are in the same boat that yeah. honestly, I, I just, I just wouldn't know it's something I needed to change unless I saw that other people are changing it and having success. Yeah. And so that's been invaluable. It's, it's huge. And again, it's, it's the fallacy of the business owner, which is, again, which is what I, why I wanted to expose this, this kind of type of conversation is that it, it's, such a rare, uh, it's such a rare piece of information. It's like finance, hiring, recruitment, leadership, so rare. And, and, and yet you can, you know, real true understanding of leadership. And yet there's every book out there on it. You know, every, every year, the top talent book, top, top 10 best-selling books are all on leadership. And yet so many people are so bad at it. And, and by and large, it's because it's misunderstood. It's taught by people who are not leaders. You know, they're, they're, they're just kind of abstractly writing research on it or whatever it will be. It's uh, such a such a mysterious uh, subject, and yet it, it, it doesn't need to be. That when we move from it's about patience that's such a binary view of the world when it comes to business. In the first one or two years of your, your existence, it is about patience. But then very, very quickly, it becomes, how do I get more from these people that I've got in terms of the people? And, and you've, you know, you've heard me say it many times in the, in the community, the biggest challenge that most people are going to run into in their business is uh, recruitment and leadership and training of people and getting the best from people. That, that's what ultimately the biggest and most successful uh, entrepreneurs that you see on the planet, they've ultimately mastered um, that skill. They've mastered the ability to, I'm not going to say motivate because they hire people who are self-motivated and, and all they do is they put them in the optimum position to be the best version of themselves. And that's such, a, such again, a profound difference in if I have to motivate somebody to, to get out of bed or to come to work or to, to meet their PVA, I'm in a lifelong struggle. I'm going to go home tired because I have to keep motivating them. I have to keep motivating them. What I want is somebody who comes to me, like Johnny in my office, emailed me over the weekend. I'm thinking about reading this book. Do you think it'll help me uh, to improve my communication? Yes. Boom. You know, go, go do it. You know, and he's, he's already self-motivated. True self-starter. Yeah. Self-starter. Right? And, and so, so again, it's very easy to look at the businesses that I've got and people are like, oh, Amy's great. Or, you know, who's in the room right now? So I don't 
Cameron's in and uh, Jake's in and, and uh, whoever else, right? Like these people don't come into your world and all of a sudden I motivate them on how to be, you know, to, to be whatever they're going to do. They are uh, already motivated by themselves. I just have to guide them. And, and if at any point I have to keep yeah. motivating them, that's not going to work. That's not cool. That's not what this is about. It's about me finding the right person who's a self-starter, who's motivated enough to want to achieve. The, the, the true definition of an A player, they, they want to achieve. They want to be held accountable. And for that, they want to know where they are against where they need to be. And therefore, they'll ask you what they need to do to improve. If you look at the majority of businesses in this profession, they are saddled with underachievers. And I don't give a shit if they're good clinical skilled they are underachievers losers and i would use that word and i would use it to their face in the in the definition of they do not want to be held accountable and all they want is to come in quote some research massage some hamstrings treat some you know low back pain and out they go it's never about improving the overall standard of the company yeah. because that exposes them to the fact that their standards actually might not be as good as they think that they are. Therefore, the job of the leader has to be about making sure that we recruit the right person with those standards and getting the absolute best from them by putting them in the environment that will get the best from them. Just a, a quick story that highlights this. So being in business four years now and having some you know different staff members come in and out, um, you know, my wife, she she will come up to me and she'll observe for a little while, but she'll come up to me and she'll just come out and say it. She goes, who's, who's bothering you? I'm like, what do you mean? Who's bothering me? She's like, there's somebody at work that, that isn't working out. I see it in your face. I see it in your energy. I see it in your, you know, you're just agitated. He goes, who is it? They need to go. (laughs) So she's like my, my at home, my at home board member, but it's, it's just interesting that it creates such, such a visceral effect on an owner and on me where my wife can notice it now over, you know, seeing it enough times that she's like, listen, who's ever stealing my Kevin away from me that that needs to change like now. <laughs> so luckily, luckily, I have a I have a wife who's equally as competitive as I am. And uh, not not unwilling to share her opinion. <laughs> so here's, here's the phrase, I think I told you this, and I'm writing it down to make sure that I get it right. But I was told this, I was told this a few years ago. So if you're in bed at night, and the person that you're thinking about, isn't the one lying next to you, they've got to be fired the next day. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I'm say that again because that's caught a few people's attention as they listen to this podcast. If you're in bed at night and the person that you're thinking about isn't the one lying next to you, brackets, assuming it's a staff member, <laughs> brackets, they need to be fired. That, and that's, that's, that's the way it is. And we all know that. that, that that's yeah. the person that just is the drain in our life, the drain of the energy. And you realize that over a three, six, nine, 12 month period, this person has just sucked the life out of you. And ultimately when they're gone, it's like, oh God, why didn't I just do that? That, you know, yeah. why didn't I do that months ago? And the fallacy is that that only affects work. And that's not the case. You, as an owner, you take, you take your job almost everywhere. It's what you think about. It's your passion. It's your life. It's what provides the livelihood for your family. And it's foolish to think that, oh, what, you know, whatever's happening here, it doesn't affect this other part of my life, but it does. And um, it's just so interesting that she's able to notice that now and sometimes yeah. earlier than I do. And um, because I'm willing to give it a fighting chance and let's work it out. Let's go through the process. And after some time, she's like, yeah, it's over. Just, yeah, just it's- take care of it. 
there's no such thing as a work-life balance and it's just again it's bullshit that's written in textbooks that people want to buy and it sounds rah-rah and it's great at the time and everybody likes it and you know kind of wants to achieve it and it's the it's the rainbow it's like just it just isn't there it doesn't exist what there is is you are who you are that you walk through this door you know when i walk through the door at 10 o'clock i don't start speaking different to the to the people in here than i do with natalie you 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 know you've watched me on stage whether i'm on stage off stage with the kids with you in the bar and i am who i am i, I speak to you yeah. on this podcast in the same way if natalie walked into my life at the you know the ceo meetings to have a drink with us after i don't become a different person when she you know when she comes around i don't become a different person with my kids i am who i am and and that's that's the you know that's the that's the whether it's a business owner the father the the you know the partner the whatever i, I am who i am and my life is what it is and it isn't I go to work and I do this thing and then I miraculously try and switch off from it at six o'clock. There is flaw. There is constant flaw in, in my life that if I take the, the thoughts and the energy and the, and the good things that I do at work into my life at home, then my life at home is going to be substantially better. And if I have a shitty day at work, it's very, very hard to, to just all of a sudden, just because I've gone five minutes in a different direction, get rid of the chemicals and the thoughts and the feelings that I've got. It's impossible. And, and, and I think a lot of people just have to stop fighting that. That, that, that is it. I've gone through all of this. And again, I can go deep on this. I got, I got through a phase where this is probably six or seven years ago. Maybe, maybe less. It might have been as I started to do this business and I, I was really struggling for brain space and capacity that my, my brain was just expanding and my ability to take on more uh, responsibility was expanding. And I felt I was getting home too quick that I was leaving office at six and I was in my house at five, you know, five past six, literally five minutes past six. I was at home and my kids jumping on me. I was like, shit, Natalie was asking me a question. I went to the extreme of parking my car around about 20 minutes away from where I, I worked so that I had a lag between the, you know, the, the, the office and my car just to give me some, some, just let's get this out before I go, sure. you know, I go back home because I can't just become somebody else within a five minute, you know, time frame, no matter how hard I try. So it's again, self-awareness. It's about being around people who've been through these types of struggles and challenges and being prepared to, my staff would say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Where's your car? I'm like, it's it's down the other side of this thing. I'm like, and like, well, you have to pay down there. I'm like, I know, but it was worth paying the equivalent of five dollars to enjoy the rest of the night with my kids. And like, they're like, you wacky. I'm like, I know, but that's like, that's 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 me. Like, that's why I do what I do. Like, that's how I think. Yeah. That's how I live. I don't do what everybody else does. It's like a different way of thinking that ultimately is always about how do I get the best out of myself, the office, the team my kids natalie like every aspect of of it and it isn't just a roll home and expect to be somebody else no that's way. not not possible they're they're both living organisms that live and breathe together right. and and if you think they're different they're they're not you know what you what you do at home affects work and vice versa and they got to be symbiotic or you're gonna you're gonna run into struggle and yeah. And so I've, I've learned that. And, and thankfully my wife has been very open about sh sharing what I need to learn yeah, quicker. It's so <laughs> it's important. It's so important to have that, that relationship at home as well, where that person understands you, gets you. Natalie uh, is brilliant with me. She just lets me be. She knows, she knows, even when I try to deny it, I'm like, I, you know, if I've got something in my head, I'm just consumed by it. She'll let me be. And, and I often recognize it. I just go to bed or I go put the telly on early or I just go for a walk or I'll, I'll just, you know, and she doesn't pest me she's not like is everything all right is everything all right it's like i'm I, and I'll, i'm good just let me have let me have an hour and i'll figure this out and that that ultimately is in the end what she does she doesn't try to make me better the best way that she can make me feel better is just to let me be and yeah. and that takes such confidence in your relationship and and the kind of uh what's the word 
such an understanding of each other and how to get the best of each other and create that environment that she recognizes it and also knows the best thing that she can do is nothing. Just let me be and not be worried about why I am the way I am or, you know, thinking, well, you know, you're at home now and you, you should be with us. She's like, all right, cool. You know, go, go do whatever. And yeah. I usually just make my way up to bed, stick bloody shark tank on or something and just doze off for, for 45 minutes and my brain just unwinds and then I come back downstairs and I'm a different, you know, I'm a different person. Yeah, it's amazing how they don't, you know, spouses don't uh, often don't hold the position within your business, but they are a part of it in many, many ways. And so many decisions have been made just over a drink with my wife about discussing topics. And she has a keen insight that I don't have in certain circumstances. And um, yeah, it doesn't have a title, but is a huge part of everything that goes on. And I couldn't do it without her. And I think uh, that's important to remember is include them in the process. I think yeah. they, they want to be included. So Tell me about your leadership lessons. What have you learned over the last couple of years? Yeah, so uh, one of the big things that I was just reflecting on is, um, you know, when you're when you're the sole owner or you're treating most of the clients, you can you can walk into the clinic and move a dial and you can make a change very quickly. Like that day, that patient. You can come in, you can change prices, and you know you can sell it. You know you can have no confidence issues. There's no secondary, tertiary steps that, that need to happen to, to make a decision stick. And for me, um, I mean, as, as you mentioned earlier, you kind of just mentioned something. I do it. I don't need time to think. If it's the right decision, it's the right decision. Um, that's, that's not always everybody. And yeah. so I think as a leader, I've had to learn that every action has a has a equal and opposite reaction and I need to play out the steps before um, before I see that needle actually move so even though in my head I've already turned that dial I've already changed a metric I've already changed a system I've already you know I already know where things are going to go it just I need to be patient with letting it happen in the time frame necessary to make sure staff is on board processes are in place and that's been a challenge for me mentally because being a doer, I just want it to happen. But as a leader, it does take time and you have to make sure it's done correctly. And you have to make sure that the principles and the meaning behind what you're doing is fully understood by your staff and educated and all, all contingencies are in place. Um, and, and I think that's been a, a big, a big lesson for me to learn is I, I can't just manipulate things on the whim anymore. They have to be thought out and planned. Huge. So the bigger the ship gets, ultimately the longer it takes to turn around. And that's again a lesson for anybody listening that is trying to make improvements in their business sometimes they want them too fast sometimes they want these things to happen too fast and because they haven't got the time they're always treating patients they, they come up with great ideas and it's a monday meeting and this is what i want from from my team this week and this is the direction we're going to go and it sounds great but because the time isn't there to see it through and hold people accountable and, and understanding that the bigger the ship has got, it is trying to turn a Titanic round for some of these businesses uh, right now, which is, it is why it's so important to start to focus more on your business skills and your stepping back from the treatment. If you truly want to run uh, a business. And the, the thing that I've wrote down there, which again is, is just a, an insight, if you like to, to what I've understood from running a business and, and businesses now in the beginning, you can make decisions faster because the risks are less. So what that means is, and again, this is important for people listening, the mantra right now is, you know, speed, speed to market, take action, take action, do stuff, get stuff done, you know, uh, money rewards speed and all this type of thing, right? Uh, yeah, to the, you know, to a degree, I get it, right? But what, what must be understood for the past and listening to, to a Tony Robbins or a, uh, you know, like a Gary Vee or a Damon John or watching Shark Tank or whatever, right? What must be understood 
is the context of the of that advice and, and when it is usually given. So when Tony Robbins usually you know gives out the take action, it's about taking action. And everybody on Instagram will be like, yeah, 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 it's about taking action. It's usually being said to somebody who is stalling over starting something new, right? And it's like you're stuck, you're you're stalled, you you haven't got going, and like, come on, let's just get this shit moving, right? But that advice, even though it's the same words, it's not great advice for somebody who's running a business who might be 10 12 employees deep three clinics who's got rent and rates of you know 50 grand and, and you know liabilities for 50 grand a month hanging around their neck just to go out and take action so the words haven't changed right but the meaning of what it what of what's being said needs to be understood and what that goes back to is our awareness which i'm always fearful of when people watch marketers and influencers of do they understand the context in which this information is being passed on and that that is so important that as the business grows you actually need more thinking time and it's less about taking action it's less about making a lot of small decisions and it's more about figuring out what's the one big decision that when i make it will turn this ship around because i can't make 17 big decisions if i've got 20 staff and three clinics what i can make is one tiny change to the, to the to the dial if you like strategically that slowly but surely will turn this boat around and take us back to the place that we want to be so the lessons on all of that become again as you as you advance in business it's about shutting off from the noise and figuring out what who's the guy or who's the person that i've got uh, who has the answers to the problem that i've got for the situation that i'm in right now that the take action advice and the hustle advice is good advice early on I'm all for chucking some shit at the wall and just seeing what happens, right? But learn your lessons. As long as you're not keeping chucking shit at the wall for 25 years, we must evolve as business owners and understand the situation, understand the game that we're playing. Chestnut checkers, as I say all the time, that the evolution of you as the business owner and as a leader is ultimately what will determine whether or not this business is successful or not. And, and where it has to come from is really a mindset shift. When you're the practitioner, with your, the, when you're the technician, there's a lot of gratification. I see a patient, I make money. I do this, I make money. It's, it's a direct one-to-one. But once you step back into the leadership role, it's, it's not even close to a one-to-one. There's like six steps to get to the outcome you want, and you have yeah. to find, find the system to get there. And at first, it can feel very unrewarding. It can feel, feel very much like I'm doing all this work and nothing's happening. And I had to get over that fallacy of I'm not producing. I'm not, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. I'm at home doing work. I need to be uber productive to make sure that my time is valuable. But I found the more I tried to do, the less I actually achieved. And the less I tried to do but did really well, the more success I've had. And so since coming back from our, my recent vacation, it's be what's the one to two things I can accomplish and do really well, that can make the biggest impact on my business. What's that first domino? And it's been a, it's been a cool mindset shift. And this is just recently for me having, <laughs> it's been years now, but it just takes time to learn that concept of just, just do less, but do it well. And be okay with the fact that it's like, it's like a sprinter. A sprinter could start out and they can shave seconds off their time. But as they get to elite level, they got to work for years to shave off hundreds of a second. I think that's very true in, as a leader as well. So Understanding that is is huge again for the person listening to this who's trying to get to that seat of stepping back if you like it, it is understanding that you have been conditioned for long now to feel good about see, seeing a patient you'll get paid you'll you'll you know send a bill off to an insurance company or you'll see some magic happen that'll make you feel good and really the the, the nitty-gritty if you like of running a business is that it's fucking boring 
like it's really boring <laughs> at times it's like it's very very dull sometimes and and it can be like pulling teeth when you have to sit down for for writing something or doing something or preparing a staff meeting preparing questions for the pro you know for, for the staff that you're not going to see any results on for weeks for weeks and trying to get your head around that is what i actually see now that the hardest thing for most people is they say oh i haven't been able to do it and patients just want to see me i'm just like piss off like don't 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 kid a kid like you, you you you've tried this thing and it just was like a little bit more tough than you were expecting or it didn't give you the instant hit that you were expecting and then you drop back into the all right i'll get this gratification of treating you know, how do I know that you want to not treat patients? Because you're speaking to me about how to get out of the business. And it's like, it is, it's such a, uh, again, uh, the ability to understand all of these things is, is, uh, is ultimately what, what I think uh, determines whether or not people do actually make it. So tell me about some staff. How have you helped people? This is a big one. You figured out that one or two of your staff are not quite performing. Tell me about a story or a scenario where you've helped somebody get better. They were, they were struggling and you've pulled them up. Yeah, so so recently there's been uh, probably in the last six months just some some difficulty getting people to complete a plan of care. Yeah. So they come in, they convert the discovery, they come to the email, they come to one or two sessions, the pain goes away, and they they drop off. Um, so what we do is we started backtracking. Okay, how did the how did the initial phone call go? Checked off that box. Phone call was fine. What'd you talk about discovery? Check. So we know it's a we know it's a, a plan of care problem between the yeah. PT and the client. So we started talking about that initial eval. What expectations were set? What did you tell the client in terms of prognosis? What did you tell them in terms of steps? Did you give them their homework on time? And really what it came down to is the confidence of being able to say, yes, I can, I can get you better in X number of sessions or in X amount of time. The PT wasn't willing to put the stake in the ground and say, yes, I could do it. And so we actually had to dive into that quite deeply and say, well, is it do you feel it's a clinical problem? Do you not understand tissue healing, pathology? No, I got that. Well, why don't you want to say this? Well, what if, and the answer was, what if I'm wrong? It's like, you're, you know, way more than this person. And, or and really most people, you know, in our profession, we've done the education for the last six months. You're, you're going to be like 99% in the ballpark. So yeah. really we started going through a lot of confidence training, role-playing, videotaping. I mean, going through time and time again, this is how you say something. This is the body language. This is, I mean, it's, it's fairly nitty gritty stuff and people listening might be like, oh, it's too much for me. That's, that's, uh, that's, not, um, that's not something I want to go through. Seems too, too, too finite, but it's, it is what matters. Yeah. And what's happened is their ability to sell plans of care, their ability to get people on not only eight, 10 sessions, but strength and conditioning packages or year-long plans has increased since going through the training. It's been a, it's been a big win for this person. It's been awesome. But it's, I mean, it took a, took a few months to get it right to lots of practice. The most so. pleasing part that you'll find is that you've not only made a change at work, you'll have probably made a change in their life. Incredible. This individual, I mean, he, he talks about, you know, like talking to girlfriends, talking to, you know, asking for stuff at restaurants, like asking for better deals. She's like, I just feel confident just asking for what I want and telling my feelings and keeping my mouth shut and listening and letting people talk. One of the greatest things about being a boss is that the, the staff who are willing to kind of embrace that, that you can help them with their confidence and who they are in life. And 
uh, hold their head a bit higher and you know I, I'm regularly with my staff don't let anybody fucking walk all over you like I hit the roof if my staff are, are, are walked all over or somebody's giving them shit like I have to yeah. tell them bring the fucker back and tell them to piss off like literally just to give them a little bit of like a little bit of confidence a little bit of balls that it's like this isn't about being walked all over all of your um all of your life and you'll be one of the first people in their life to do it and that's that's what i found i've, I've had stories and people that i won't name their names but in, in my organization still in my physio business and, and in the media business that i've watched them grow as people not just as employees and ultimately it started with their confidence it started with their self-belief and it started with the you know nobody's going to shout at you and you can't fuck this up and i've got your back and this isn't reckless you know as long as you're not reckless we'll make some mistakes and we'll figure this out and you know if they don't like the joke piss off like they can go somewhere else and listen to, to some somebody else's jokes having that that level of confidence for running your business ultimately filters down to the employees and, and again what we have to do is look at the effect and the, you know the cause and effect relationship that if you're a business owner who understands the game that you're playing that you have a level of confidence and a level of steel and a level of balls if you like for running the business that you don't really give a shit about one or two idiots who didn't get the job or you know what about the one percent you didn't get right so what go somewhere else like we're not we're not here to debate that we we care about them as individuals but it's not possible to um make everybody happy every single time and taking that kind of stance actually gets passed on to the staff who i've watched vicky and becky and people in my office their eyes have gone what i'm, I'm allowed to say that i'm like yes mm -hmm. what, you mean if somebody says i'm like tell him to get like tell him to get out and if he doesn't go tell me and i'll chuck him out like that that that's that i mean it's extreme but but that's like the level of they need to know that they work for somebody like that who's got their back and when i i found that um i've had that relationship with with staff that i have become the first person for a long probably since their father was like seven eight nine ten who built up a little bit of confidence in them that then he started he stopped doing it because he thought that they were teenagers and they didn't you know they didn't need that type of conversation anymore and what we are really is adults we're all just kids in in a, in a body that's got a bit of degeneration inside of our knees still like yeah. or now our muscles <laughs> are slightly less flexible than they were when they were yeah. mentally and the, and the negativity and the skepticism and the doubt and the fear that we all live with, that's all still there. And, and I think as a leader, that has to be recognized that if you want to really leverage the people that you've got, you've got to work with them as people, not just staff. And it's not about what Con Ed courses they've taken or how well they can Never. mobile patella or that's Never. such an insignificant part of it. Uh, honestly, the, the people I've seen have the most success are the, the people that, that are liked the best, that just develop rapport with clients and has nothing to do with their clinical skills, but everything to do with creating a plan. Well, of that look, most of these people, most people are going on these Con Ed courses coming away trying you know learn how to do a, a patella mobilization course that they couldn't even look the person in the eye who needs the skill that they've just learned and explain to them what they're going to do or why they should pay for it and until that gets figured out what a complete waste of time half of these in fact 95 percent of these con ed courses are a total fucking joke and all they do is serve for some kind of discussion on twitter about what you know what you're going to do this weekend they're certainly not improving businesses and certainly not improving the standards because that's not the problems that we're living with. The problems are we can't get people there. We can't get them to spend money. We can't get them to see the value of 12 sessions instead of three. That ultimately the skills that we've got are becoming irrelevant unless we can get people to, to, to kind of do all of that. Therefore, it requires completely different skill sets and leadership and coaching and ultimately helping people have better conversations and be more confident because we know that that's what what people are buying as an aside i've just finished a book on the whole thing comes out in august 
Um, mm-hmm. It's called to, uh, to Sell is Healthy, How to Get the Unshakable Confidence to Sell Your Services at Twice the Price You Are Now. It literally has gone off to the proofreader today or yesterday, I think it was, that'll be out in a few months. I've just written 65,000 words on this exact topic that, that if we don't, as a, as a, not just even as a profession, as a race, figure out that that's actually the root cause of most of the crap we're all living with is this fear and doubt and insecurity in ourselves that we can't even look somebody in the eye and say, it's 12 sessions, take it or leave it. This is the price take it or leave it. And if you want shoddy, inferior, diluted treatment plans, fucking go somewhere else because I am playing playing this game. I don't give a shit what you think of me. I would rather tell you what you need than be liked. And and if if we step up to that level of living, it will be stunning what will happen to this profession and ultimately to our businesses and to to the the impact that we can have on on people. So tell me, Obviously, you're in my CEO program uh, where we get together every couple of months. I'll see you. Uh, it's hot here in Orlando, by the way. You will uh, <laughs> you will not need anything other than shorts and, and T-shirt when you get to Orlando in a couple of weeks. To, to go to the ice cream shop. To go to the ice cream <laughs> shop. Kilwins. It'll, it's the, the, the greatest thing about living in celebration, aside from Mickey Mouse, is Kilwins <laughs> and the chocolate and, and ice cream. That, that uh, my, my little boy cost me a fortune. Uh, it, the, even the concept of driving past the town is like chuck chuck shop chuck, he doesn't know it's called Kilowins, he just calls it chuck chuck shop and uh, I, I barely get out of there thirty dollars uh, without thirty dollars at least being spent on chocolates and, and ice cream yeah. uh, so tell me about the biggest lessons that you've learned you've been in CEO now with me for uh, six months what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in, in since joining that and, and I'm looking for just lessons you might have learned from being around other business owners you know about yourself just some some insights into what you've learned since you've been in the program yeah. So, so again, reflecting on this and first of all, the program's been awesome. People who are in uh, the C group, CEO group, I am, I've known them now for almost four years, three, four years, they're friends, they're, you know, colleagues. It's, it's been amazing knowing them, but one of the big things being in this group is just seeing that there's other people in my same scenario. i you're not left on an island. Sometimes as a, as a CEO, as an owner, you feel like you're alone. You, you, don't, you're, you don't know what you're doing. You're making decisions, but don't know if it's right. Um, and having a group of people around you that can, that can really show you, quote unquote, where your mask is, what you're not seeing because you're too close to the subject. I think that's been one of the biggest, biggest lessons is that you honestly need people around you to, to help you see what you, you physically can't see. Yeah. Um, and and having that insight from a you know nine ten other people, I've been able to challenge my own thinking, um, and and that part of me has grown. I I can be a very one plus one equals two person. Do this and this happens, um, but being in the group and seeing the other problems that people are having and seeing the solutions they've come up with, I've been able to improve my level of thinking to see second, third, fourth order consequences of a decision being made. And I've stepped, begun to see myself stepping into the role of owner, uh, you know, make, making those big time decisions rather than just the, the clinical, yeah. this quick fix. That's been my biggest lesson is changing, changing my level of thinking to where it needs to be to get from point A to point B, to get from where I am now to where I want in terms of goals. And the fact is, is once I'm in that state, having people to say, well, let me challenge your thinking. Yeah. You haven't thought about X, Y, and Z. That's been huge for me. That is, again, it's, it's uh, a huge insight into what it takes really to be at this level that you're at now that 
in the beginning, I, I do think and, and, and often feel for people when they start their businesses that there's no true understanding of really what is next and where, where to go to. And what, what the, you know, if I, if I said to somebody and, and I had a beer, you know, with somebody and said, what I, I just flew to the US, right? So this was my story is, you know, the same thing, you know, I'm in these types of programs myself, flying back and forth from the US from England, right? Into, through immigration and landing in Philadelphia, down to Texas or wherever I was, I was going. And I'm going for two days and my cousins and like, family like, what? Like, what could you possibly get from two days? I'm like, well, I usually get one thing. And they go, what? And I would like, this conversation goes further. further. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I usually get one thing. And then, you know, actually the best part about the whole trip is, is actually when I fly home and I get 12 hours on my own to sit and think about what I've left. Like, what? Like, like in, how much do you pay for this? I'm like, oh, I pay a few thousand dollars. And, you know, by the time I paid for the hotel and the flight, it's probably four or $5,000. Like, one thing thinking I'm like yeah like if only you knew you know if only you truly yeah. truly knew what what actually it, it took and it requires to run a real real business that the, the big boy end of the you know the 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 business at the ceo level leadership level the the not just hustling level that the, the massive amount of people that the 96 97 98 percent of people it's so tactical and it's so do and it's so put out another fire and it's so just get me a Facebook ad or it's like, right, get in, you know, get, get the next person hired. Well, have we thought about whether we actually need that person? Have we thought about what problem they solve and, and how we know if we're going to get the best out of them? How would they actually be a good fit for the business? And, you know, are we going to get too, hoppy, uh, too top heavy operationally now versus, well, hang on, we've got all these people in these seats in the front desk in the PT, but we've got nobody in marketing. And well, now we've got some leads coming through the door. Like, do we need another PT? Well, no, we probably need someone to get on the phone with them. All right, let's debate that. And, and that's the key word. Let's debate these things. And at the very least, make sure that whatever you're about to put your energy in for the next three months is the right thing that will serve the ultimate purpose, not just for your business, but for Kevin and, and, and his family. And that's the thing that I've loved and been so passionate about these types of, of masterminds is that for the people who can grasp that, 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 that ultimately I'm paying for a level of accountability to be in an environment that stimulates thought processes, thinking, uh, higher level understanding of my business that I can take back and, and if I'm a doer and I've got all of those things which we usually are at this point then um, the changes can be profound and if, if nothing else you can help me avoid a big loss or a, you know making a stupid decision about hiring somebody that I didn't need or worse firing somebody that, that may not have you know needed to be <laughs> yeah. fired just need to be coached and helped and, and you know uh, help to understand what their real role was and ultimately what your um what you're trying to achieve yeah and at the end of you have 10 people in a room that know you and know your business on an intimate level and if they can all agree on the next three best steps to take it's it's probably a pretty darn good decision <laughs> and, I, and i think that's the thing is just having the assurance the confidence that i'm going back in with a concrete plan that has a darn good chance of succeeding versus just throwing some darts at a board and hoping something sticks there you go that's it and that's the thing that i've uh, have observed from a lot of people it's i've kind of got this good idea but I then pull the trigger on it. I then go all in on it because it just doesn't feel right to me. But I think I have a hunch. And, and more often than not, the hunch is, is usually right. But we don't pull the trigger on it because we didn't have eight people patting you on the back, shareholders, if you like, or board of directors basically saying yes or no, it isn't. This is what we see that you don't see. What, why are you even thinking of, of hiring this person when you've got this problem over, over here? And you usually find that the, the gratification comes from the decisions that they're making and what we're basically saying is hey yeah this might not give you the short-term kind of kick that you want but it's going to be the long-term juice that you're you know you're trying to get out of this squeeze if you like from this business so good last question i'm going to let you go um knowing what you know now about your business what would you do differently what would you do sooner or what would you do differently uh, just get help i mean i think uh, you know 
knowing what I know now is gobs of information and theories and understanding and practical implications and training and teaching and processes. These are things that largely I didn't even know existed and, or, or knew them in, you know, in a book or in the wrong context, but having the help, having a group, having people that are on my side and seeing my business differently and helping me to grow in my level of thinking would be massive at the start of my business. If I knew that earlier in my career. So my suggestion is get around people who can help you get in a group that uh, like-minded people, Surround yourself with people that know more than you, or at least are, or, or a few steps ahead of where you're at. And, uh, and don't be shy about being humble and learning and taking some stabs at, at being in a group that's going to push and keep you accountable. Love it. How can people um, get in touch with you? Where can they find more? Yeah, so uh, just compedgept.com. Uh, they can go to um, Kevin at compedgept.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Competitive Edge. And uh, reach out. Happy to answer any questions anybody has. I'm, I'm very approachable. Happy to help anybody along their process. Um, this group has given back so much to me. I'm happy to give back to anybody who has questions. Uh, Kevin, I cannot thank you enough. And um, I mean it when I say it. you're an absolute superstar uh, in our world. And I know everybody appreciates you because, like, you've just said you are more than happy to give back and if there's anybody that uh you know we've got a lot of a lot of givers in the in the group and in the community and i know you're in the the absolute top top tier as to uh what you give and, and how uh open you are to sharing everything that you've got as well as that uh, i do mean it i love working with you you're one of my easiest clients to, to kind of work with love the conversations that we have on a friendship level about family uh, and i think you're on course to be an absolute superstar of running a, a very 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 successful business that ultimately um serves both the uh, patients and your family and uh, everything that you set out to get from the business in the first place so well done very proud of you thank you very much it's uh, a lot to, to do with this group and you and thanks for everything you've given me it's been a, a wild fun journey yeah you're always going i say this all the time you're always going to do it hopefully all i've done is help you speed it up and that's that's all i can do so well done thank you thanks for your time i yeah. appreciate you i'll let you go and um i'll see you in a couple of weeks here in orlando you got it. Thanks, Paul. All right. Thanks, Kevin. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.